So yeah, man, we've um, we've both been sort of well, we've known each other now for four years, and we've both been talking about and sort of predicting what's happening essentially in the world right now. And you're a venerate powerhouse. So, like, ladies and gentlemen, the, the venerate powerhouse is in the building. The man with the piercing level of clarity and discernment for what's really going on. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have you, Drew. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you, bro. I'm blushing. That was uh, that was awesome. Thanks for that endorsement. And um, yeah, it is like you said. It is kind of wild to see. You know, when we started collaborating, and um, you know, when we met each other first online, everything was kind of in theory. You know, it was such. It was so far removed. We knew about certain big events that happened in the past, like, you know, like 9-11, that kind of stuff. But it always seemed, you know, it was so far distant memory. It was like kind of, it was really weird to see, you know, in 2020, all the things mm -hmm. that we talked about come to fruition and to see these dominoes starting to fall, you know, with the, and it's all, it all builds on each other. Of course, the authoritarian government policies we saw implemented in 2020, you know, we're based off of 9-11 um, Patriot Act and, and type of authoritarian policies um, passed for the war on terror, quote unquote. Um, and of course, the 2008 uh, financial crisis, we, you know, we saw the evolution of that with um, with the with the bailouts and insane money printing and now the eventual hyperinflation. So. So, yeah, no, it's it's been quite a wild ride. And uh, yeah, I'm hyped <laughs> to uh, to talk about what's coming next with you. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's been interesting being on the other side of it, as in not being surprised. You know, yeah. like, mm -hmm. like you said, we were sort of all we were working in theory. I mean, it was it was good deduction. It was a good like sort of based on pretty accurate discernment. But until especially until COVID happened, um, it was sort of it wasn't proven in a way. So it was it was there was this frustrating sort of barrier between what we understood to be reality and then what reality was actually being presented in front of us. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, mainly just that reality of, you know, there being people that want to implement, you know, complete uh, authoritarian government, uh, you know, they, they really didn't show themselves too much up until that point. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was a huge show and you actually predicted it. Um, I was just scrolling through your Twitter, and uh, obviously the first one that came up was the the prediction that happened for a sort of a mandatory vaccination, um, mm -hmm. and you made that prediction before the event two hundred one, which was sort of in hindsight a very obvious like plan, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, well, so for me, like I didn't put two dots together that it was going to come soon but as soon as it happened in china i was like i'm calling bullshit right now but you actually like laid it down which was amazing like uh, incredibly epic it uh yeah i was i was just thinking you know i was trying to think back um you know when i just posted it because it now is i posted october 8th of 2019 and the and the tweet is imagine a world with 100% mandatory vaccination for global travel, schooling, citizenship. And then I put in parentheses, currently in the works. Then I said, one bad vaccine slips through and makes a whole generation infertile in the span of a few years until it's finally noticed it's already too late. So, um, and I was trying to think back, you know, what, 
what exactly drove me to tweet that and like put those concepts together. And, um, and it really was, I think what people also forget was in 2019, they were in 2018 and, you know, the years previous, the push to normalize the flu vaccine and like the type of moral posturing and trying to make it like another virtue signaling thing was extremely it was it was ramping up and in 2019 it like got to this point of ridiculousness that i was like okay like there's they're definitely going to you know try and make they're going to try and force you to do it um and of course there was a couple of um there was a couple predictive programming examples that i saw in in the media that uh specifically there was an episode of the TV show Stargate that came out, um, I believe it was like a month or two before 9-11. So it was like an interesting, it was, you know, again, tied with 9-11 in, in a weird way. But um, it involved um, basically Stargate. They they travel through a physical Stargate and um, and basically have interactions with alien species or whatever. And they finally meet one that is benevolent and wants to help them, an advanced alien race that wants to help them. And basically they let that benevolent alien race come to Earth and basically end all wars, but um, you know, essentially take away the freedom and self-determination because in order to get the advanced mm. technology, everybody had to do what they said. And then a couple of years later, they, they give them all types of medicine that... Um, that expands the human lifespan. Um, so people are like living to 200 years old and youthful for longer and stuff. But then eventually they're like, Oh, why is our birth rate going down so much? And they find out that it's the, um, it's one of the medicines um, that they give them that sterilizes them. And that's, it's a similar concept to um, what I think is, is really the end game with aliens as well uh, in terms of predictive programming is a book by Arthur C. Clarke called childhood's end. And it's a very similar concept where instead of an Independence Day fear porn type scenario, where it's an alien invasion, quote unquote, um, it's more of a benevolent advanced alien species coming and and kind of giving us a bunch of stuff and then having, mm -hmm. you know, there being a hidden catch, which I think is much more likely. It um, it goes along a lot more with what you can see in, for instance, the WikiLeaks e emails. Um, there's an email to John Podesta, which is he's always been involved in UFO mm -hmm. stuff. He's he was uh, the Clinton campaign manager and was involved in Hillary Clinton camp campaign as well. Um, but he's Edgar Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon, quote unquote, is emailing him and telling him that his contacts, his Galactic Federation contacts said they won't share um, zero point energy with humanity until we end all wars. And how do you end all wars? You have to form a one world government, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, so and that's that's a real WikiLeak email that you can look up. And it's it was one of the things that like because there was tons of stuff in the WikiLeaks, especially, yeah, you know, they, sure. they showed Bernie Sanders getting robbed in the primaries, which is what I was interested at the time um, as a Bernie bro. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, Pizzagate, which was involved yeah. John Podesta heavily. And then. Yeah which was disturbing in its own right. And then, but the alien part kind of got overlooked and it kind of gives mm -hmm. you a, a glimpse into what scenario they're going to go with eventually, which is, I don't think they're going to do an alien invasion. I think it's going to be like that where it's a, 
benevolent. But anyways, that all ties back to that tweet and pandemic and stuff like that. Whether or not that was, you know, the ultimate infertility shot, which in terms of what we can point to right now, um, they're still investigating the effects on the female menstrual cycle, um, which, of course, they denied as long as possible, but then finally had to admit because they're like, oh, wait, uh, it's anti-feminist to not listen to women. And those were it was a hilarious thing to see crash down on them. Um, but yeah, they always, so, they always have that. They, they build their own. You know, it's like if you build a house on so many lies, one lie ends up contradicting another lie. I mean, mm-hmm. we won't we won't go into Israel and Palestine now, but for, to give an example of that is all this Islamic mass immigration into Europe and America has backfired on Israel because the the Islamic world has a Western microphone now, and so the support for what Israel Israel is doing is is not as um, is being challenged more than, let's say, if there was fewer uh, Muslims in the Western world, where they would just be secluded more in the Middle East and, mm-hmm. and less spoke English and this kind of stuff. So, you, you know, they have all these plans and they're putting all of the pieces together, but one will end up contradicting the other. But going back to the aliens, um, now, do you think... Aliens are the- going to tie into the, the end game of Israel and stuff, which we'll, uh-huh. I'm sure we'll connect later, but... yeah. Do you think there are aliens or do you think there are ancient races which have been equated with aliens or do you think there are no aliens and actually it's more of a smoke and mirror play because that they have just developed very high technology which they can use to make it seem like there's aliens? So yeah, no, a, a fantastic question. Um, you know the the whole spelling so much of you know the truth is always right in front of us and the more truth they can put into deception where they for instance um you know with coronavirus they had the virus itself it was always public knowledge since the beginning that the wuhan lab was doing bat coronavirus research using funding from the united states specifically the nih for dr fauci ran it was always public they did that. Then it was always public that the mRNA technology that they used in the vaccine, like people think, oh, it was Pfizer and Moderna that made it. No, they were using NIH research. So the both the problem and the solution were right there in front of us the whole time. Dr. Fauci, the surname, the Italian surname Fauci, refers to maker of scythes, <laughs> a- a.k.a. the... The, the Reaper, the Grim Reaper holds the scythe. So mm-hmm. he's literally, mm-hmm. it, it is 100% right in your face, the actual word that everyone repeats over and over and over and over again. And my friend has a, has a great quote uh, when we were in the middle of the pandemic, you know, it was so hard not to just like constantly be cursing Fauci. But he, my buddy's like, I will not let Dr. Fauci live rent free um, in mm-hmm. my mind. So, and but it kind of goes, it kind of shows you how we're repeating this this word Fauci, maker of size. Like, yeah. we're literally, you know, yeah. it's right there in front of you. Yeah. Um, and that goes into this idea that I've come to terms with now. It's just, so the magic behind it is the word Fauci is a sigil. It, it becomes a symbol which gets charged with potential energy through, through mm-hmm. emotion. Um, and then that sigil or that word or the symbol then carries energy forward and 
I, this is just my introduction, but I thought maybe it's used to increase the probability of whatever they plan next to occur, something like this. In the same way that you can use sex magic on with symbols or sacrificial magic um, to charge sigils and stuff like that. So another one that I found particularly interesting with COVID was George Floyd. So the phrase that everyone said mm. after George Floyd died was, I can't breathe. And then COVID occurred. And what was the main problem that everyone was having? It was a respiratory illness, you know, like they couldn't mm -hmm. breathe. And they were put on um, respirators and all that sort of stuff, crushing their lungs and et cetera. And, and so, yeah, there's this, there's this layer of like almost schizophrenic magic going on, mm -hmm. it, it appears to me, where like people have enough time and enough energy and enough power to, to, to encode things as, as we live them out. Yeah, yeah. And it really, it goes to that whole, and this will go back to my original point uh, that we were connecting with aliens, the alien question, which I just answered in the most long-winded way possible. But, um, but yeah, obviously, spelling is is casting spells, and um, specifically the the person that I always refer to, um, Alan Moore, the English uh, chaos magician slash comic book author who wrote stuff like The Watchmen and V for mm -hmm. Vendetta which I think are two of the biggest um, and actually I'll be going into Watchmen to explain like the reality of aliens as well, but it actually, it also ties to to your Twitter at as well. Um, but um, because you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the character uh, in, um, in the Watchmen, right? That, uh, what does he go by? It's, is it? Um, uh, I'm not actually. Okay. But anyways, um, I'll, I'll get that in a sec, but uh, so, um anyways uh so he says that all of his art uh that art is chaos magic because popular art influences the mass subconscious and when you influence the mass subconscious you change how things you change not only how people react but on a level that we're talking about you know just the way that human minds and reality works you're actively changing the way that things will play out um and you know he was a student of Crowley, which which he, of course, Crowley is one of the uh, you know most prolific magicians of of our age. Um, but, anyways, the the word alien is a lie, um, and then you know mm -hmm. throw the end on the end. But um, the uh, to get to the reality of aliens. So, and this actually goes into Crowley as well. So, um, Alistair Crowley was, you know, on the point that are they demons? So Crowley would do these sex magic rituals and he would then channel um, some entities. And one of his eight entities was named that he, he called Lamb mm -hmm. and he drew a sketch of it. And this is like 19, I believe 18 or something like that. So like 30 years before Roswell. Mm -hmm. um, and he drew a very similar type of creature to what we think of as a gray alien. Um, you know, big eyes, reptilian looking, um, looking like an unborn ch child, like a, looking like a fetus is actually, I think, mm -hmm. the most accurate way to describe these these things or the image that they give to us of them. Um, and so that's that's one thing. Um, and let's see. So the the real the question is the reality of of what aliens are. So there are 
there are a advanced um there were advanced alien well not alien they were advanced ancient civilizations yeah i think that's that's pretty clear for anyone who's absolutely just the story that we've been told is that that civilization emerged out of nowhere six thousand years ago complete with mathematics agriculture (laughs) astrology um and language you know numbers letters everything um is pretty ridiculous and you know obviously the pyramids and everything um kind of show that and the like people are like oh but they could have built you know look at these methods of you know i spray down water and then i can flip the three ton rock by myself so they must have just done that for 500 miles and then up (laughs) 300 then up 350 feet and perfectly sliced every single rock to you know zero tolerance to where you yeah. can't fit Laser a, level a single thing in between them and perfectly aligned it and it's like yeah like no you're fucking retarded but um and we couldn't you know obviously we couldn't build one of those things if we wanted to today like it would be such an outrageous amount of money even with all the massive resources and efficiencies of technology we have today we still can't mm-hmm. even get close but um but anyway, so yes, there was, there are advanced alien, or sorry, ancient, advanced, yeah. yeah, ancient civilizations. And the second thing is that there's, as far as the alien question, this is how I usually like to begin answering it, is there's no reason, you know, UFOs are real. I do believe there's extremely advanced craft that is, you know, unknown to us, or, you know, in in mainstream culture, we don't they are not public with that type of science. But it, there's no reason to believe that they come from outer space. Um, mm-hmm. Most often, they're viewed coming in and out of the water. Um, yeah. So they're most viewed coming out, um, you know, out of the ocean. And so there's no reason to believe they come from outer space. That's like, that's just like, the only reason we immediately associate like a kind of craft like that with must be coming from a different world is because of the mainstream media, which is, um, which is exactly you know exactly the point of predictive programming is, is you know it's not you know you could see it as you know not being magic, but it you know it really Arthur C. Clarke to go back to the same guy who wrote uh, Childhood's End, he has a quote where he says any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, and mm-hmm. I think I think that's so incredibly true. Um, is it's that the... It's the idea of the cargo cult as well. You know, the, yeah. the traditional story of the cargo cult with the Melanesian tribesmen who uh, were visited by U.S. sailors after the Pacific War, the, the Second World War in the Pacific Battle Theater, and they were given brandy and cigarettes. And, um, they came over on boats and helicopters and stuff like that, and these Melanesians saw them as the return of, of their gods. And then basically yeah turned this um a helicopter they would try and reconstruct a helicopter out of wood for example mm-hmm. and then pray to and then pray to it in the hope that these so these sailors and these uh air force men would return with more gifts mm-hmm. and so that's like a microcosm of this macrocosmic idea which is like the whole world is a cargo cult potentially mm-hmm yeah, no, that's um I think that's I think that's a pretty accurate way to look at it. Um and yeah, essentially 
the you know so like we were saying there's no reason to believe they come from outer space so that's just the first thing um and what else is interesting this is something i've been looking into recently on this same subject is that even so the idea of aliens did enter the pop culture you know pretty significantly before um roswell which is really kind of like the ultimate um event that they used to form the breakaway civilization or the breakaway parts of our government that are now compartmentalized in order to hide that technology um, that was seen in, in UFOs. Um, in 1947, basically, it was um, in February of 1947, you have Admiral Byrd's Operation High Jump to Antarctica on a science mission. Of course, you know, anyone with, with two, you know, brain cells realizes they were trying to hunt down remaining Nazis that were obviously, you know, documented, they went to Argentina, but then, you know, pot quite possibly in Antarctica using, you know, U-boats to go into mm -hmm. the, the warm air pockets underneath the ice sheets. Um, anyways, they, you know, it's rumored that they use UFOs to defend themselves from Admiral Byrd. And there's uh, an interview he gave to a newspaper on his way back, which does, he talks about the U.S. not being safe, be just you know, on the basis of having an ocean between us and, and the, uh, you know, in Europe, uh, because there's craft so fast that can fly, you know, across, which, you know, is pretty, you know, you could see it as referring to UFOs or not. Anyways, that was in February. Uh, the mission ended a few months early for no disclosed reason, of course. Um, then you have in June 1947, you have, um, you have Roswell in which the it's the US military that first gave the reports that it was saucer craft and um and uh you know like strange bodies um within it mm. that was that was a report from the military and then they changed it it wasn't just like a, you know a random person found it and and then they you know the military came and corrected it um which you know it could be a a you know I see them using that event Three months later, or yeah, three months later in September of 1947, they formed both the Air Force and the CIA, um, which, of course, people are always like, but they didn't form the Air Force and the CIA then. They already existed. And it's like, OK, yes, there was the OSS and there was the um, which precursor to CIA and there was, you know, the air division of the army. But the fact or the reason why they separated it was that it was easier to compartmentalize the information just like they did in um, the Manhattan Project, uh, where they compartmentalize the information. There's hundreds of thousands of people working on the project, and nobody knows exactly what they're making. Um, and anyways, uh, yeah, so 47, the, the saucers, mm -hmm. and, uh, and yeah, it's basically the Nazis apparently built, built the UFOs first. Um, that's why they're the, the word Foo Fighters, you know, not just the band. The reason the band used the phrase Foo Fighters was because Foo Fighters were spotted over the war field in, in Europe in the 40s. And they're these unidentified flying craft, which I didn't know what the hell they were. Um, they called them Foo Fighters. So yeah. it's obvious that that the Nazis had, you know, they basically they set. You know, the whole reason they took an early advantage in the war was because of their advanced submarine technology. Mm -hmm. um, and they were able to have their U-boats basically dominated the oceans because of their their uh, submarine fleet. So 
you know, their whole reason they were able to take on the entire world was because of their um, advanced technology. Um, yeah. And then they obviously particularly... we brought over all of all of the all their scientists, you know, publicly we brought them all over in Operation Paperclip, the ones that didn't already get away. That's right. That's right. And uh, the Nazis were particularly interested in the occult and esoteric sciences. And they had, you know, the, the, the Tula Society and the Brill Society, um, these sort of esoteric sects of the, of the SS. And the Brill Society was the sort of female counterpart. And, you know, through having long hair, but also being, they were Brill maidens, essentially, that they, they were used to try and communicate with uh, these aliens or these ancient Aryans or Hyperboreans or, you know, whatever you want to see them as. Um, and I suppose the theory goes is that they were provided with the information to uh, design certain advanced technology. I mean, that it's worth saying that the Germans in the 1800s were prolifically advanced anyway. Like they, if you look at sort of the statistics of scientists and philosophers and it was britain germany and the us but germany was ahead of both britain and the us in that century for, for what they were capable of so you know not to, not to say that everything that they got was from was from aliens alone they were already sort of mm -hmm. highly capable a very highly capable nation but yeah, yeah the the advancements they made during the war were astonishing yeah yeah absolutely um and, uh, but yeah, so that's, um, as far as the alien question, I think that's, you know, that seems to be the most reasonable, um, you know, if there's, you know, aliens don't, you know, I, I think extraterrestrials is probably the last thing that they are, um, mm -hmm. interdimensional, you could make a, an argument for if, you know, they're, you know, you're being, you're channeling them, either the Nazis or Crowley. Um, if they were channeling specific, you know, uh, interdimensional beings to get information, that's one idea. Um, as far as, you know, physical, um, physical aliens, which I think we just saw the first kind of rollout of, of what those could look like in Mexico. Mm. And it's kind of, you know, very similar to what we've always, um, seen presented. Um, uh, that's, that's an interesting question because, there are, um, you know, there are de uh, depictions and because they, those, even though they were presented in Mexico, those mummies were found in Peru. Of course, um, Peru has, you know, up in the mountains, they have Machu Picchu, which are extremely mm -hmm. advanced uh, megalithic stone structure that they somehow molded these rocks together in, in perfect airtight um, cuts. Mm -hmm. Um, if that's what it was, it kind of looks like some type of melting, but you know, again, nobody really knows and they yeah. pretend to, um, and they also have these massive geoglyphs, uh, which, you know, can only really be viewed from the sky, which, you know, they have all types of extremely, um, extremely exact, uh, measured, uh, geoglyphs and one of them is like a big eyed guy like smiling and waving on the side of mm. a, a mountain um which you know again does does resemble those um for our for our listeners they can look things. at the it's called the nascar the nascar lines 
N-A-Z-C-A, NASCAR. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to went to Peru in February. Oh, wow, and, awesome. What'd you check out? Yeah, I would check out Machu Picchu, but uh, the more impressive site is called, um, uh, it's not how it's spelled differently, but it's called Sexy Woman. <laughs> uh, but it, it's like spelled differently, but that's how you pronounce it. Oh, and okay. there, there it is, you know, as clear as day, blatantly obvious that this these megalithic structures are um, from some sort of technolithic era. So not a Mesolithic era, not some ancient era. Well, an ancient era, but an ancient era where they had advanced technology. Because as you said, like laser level precision, enormous blocks of granite that are 10 tons stacked on top of each other. Uh, near the top, like three, over 3,000 feet, uh, 3,000 meters high in the, in the mountains. Um, and there's no mortar. There's nothing connecting these. You can't fit a piece of paper between them. Um, so there's no way, and they can't be built now. And the explanation is that they were quarried in a different valley mm-hmm. and then brought over using men and horses and logs they would they would strap together and they would roll them up the mountain <laughs> and it's utterly absurd i mean it's hilarious mm-hmm. well it's a good thing is a lot of the guides there are very red-pilled and they they'll tell you if you ask them they'll tell you like oh yeah well, well i've seen i've seen ufos five or six times over the last two or three years is what they'll say oh wow um, multiple yeah i spoke to multiple guides and they've, they've sort of reiterated the same thing uh, it's, it's a very yeah, good place. Awesome. You should you should go if you get the chance. Yeah, yeah, I really, uh, I really need to get boots on the ground um, around the world. Um, I've, uh, you know, obviously, I've been just spending a lot of time in the U.S. Um, in Bessie, you know, I went to the Guidestone several times before they blew up. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, I'll have to. Uh, go see everything else this you know obviously there's so many amazing things to see out yeah. there true um, time worldwide exactly yeah um but so, uh yeah go ahead go ahead yeah yeah sure so um in your opinion aliens it's whether they're, they're not they're not really extraterrestrial is, is kind of what we're asserting here uh, it's mm-hmm. it's more likely they come from underground agatha inner earth um or bases, let's say, in the mountains somewhere, or something like, like that. Yeah, that's 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 essentially what um, you know. That's the real inner Earth. Um, you know, like for instance, Cheyenne Mountain Complex in Colorado Springs, um, which was built some uh, maybe I think it's like four decades after Nikola Tesla said to have made um, contact with what he thought were Martians in his Colorado Springs lab there. Hmm. Um, but they, uh, yeah. So complexes like that, which are deep underground in the Stargate movies, that's where they have their base of operations. It actually, Hmm. uh, is now currently the head, the, um, headquarters of the space force. It was made the headquarters of the space force. Um, it's originally like a, you know, it's a nuclear silo, missile silo, um, and, you know, compound. And do you Deep think in the space is travelable? Travelable? That um not by rocket, that's for damn sure. 
Um, and that's really, you know, on these, all these topics too, I'll say that, you know, I don't pretend to know exactly what's going on. Like as far as the alien question, I can say things that I'm pretty certain on is that whatever, you know, if they present us physical aliens, like we saw in, in the Mexico presentation and they do turn out to be, you know, they eventually bring out a live one. Um, what I can say you know, what I'm fairly certain of is that they're not, they didn't, there's no reason to believe even if there is a separate intelligent species besides humans on the planet, there's no reason to believe that they evolved on a different planet. Um, that's, you know, again, that's just because of science fiction that we think that that's likely. Um, and then, uh, as far as space being travelable, the only thing I can really say for sure is that I know the, you know, the Apollo missions were so obviously fake that's ridiculous they mm-hmm. um you know there's so many um instances of um especially with apollo 11 them faking being halfway to the moon that's the title of, of one of the biggest documentaries on the subject a funny thing happened on the way to the moon which i highly recommend but uh this mm-hmm. researcher guy asked nasa for all their tapes they gave them all their tapes without really checking there was one marked do not show to the public he plays it. Um, it's a it's a tape of the astronauts trying to set up a shot, and they they are in a you know they are in a rocket in orbit, um, but they're nowhere close to um, you know where they said they were supposed to be. So they're trying to set up the camera so the Earth looks farther away than it really is, um, and you know you can hear them going through that um, process, and you can hear the CIA or, or you know NASA basically the same entity of course um trying to uh they're instructing them hey when we talk to you while we're live and recording you need to wait six seconds so that it would make sense scientifically that the radio transmission is taking longer to get to you because of the distance so Mm -hmm. they're they were faking being further than they they could be and what's important to remember is, yeah, there's okay. You can go up to you can go up to orbit and you know satellites, whatever. Um, those could very well exist, but the difference between putting a satellite or doing what like fucking Jeff Bezos does on his little cock rocket is um, is they go up they go up to orbit, which is completely a million times different than the idea of going to the moon, you know, just in terms of not even just in terms of the distance, but in terms of the radiation belt, there's specifically the van, the van Allen belt, which on record has only been crossed by humans during the Apollo missions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, the Chinese would absolutely love to, you know, if we did it in the sixties, the Chinese you know, they would love to, they would have done it. They would have done it as soon as, you know, they would have done it early 2000s with the resources yeah. they have. They print infinite money. They, they, you know, they could, they're a complete authoritarian uh, civilization. They would be able to to put something up. And now the best they get is, oh, we landed a, but uh, India landed a rover on the moon and everyone's, you know, tweaking out about it, even though the the footage we get is worse than Apollo 11 somehow. And mm-hmm. they can't like grainy footage. Like, yeah. If if you could even, you know, again, I don't know 100 percent sure if you can. All I know is you can't send humans in a rocket. I don't know. Maybe you could get um, technology through 
the radiation belt and maybe these rovers are real. Although uh, this is another thing that people don't know. There's no way to observe any evidence of humans having been on the moon from Earth. You can't with even with the highest power telescopes, you can't see any evidence. And when people send you pictures of, oh, but look at this. I saw this thing on Twitter the other day. Hey, hey, everybody who doesn't think that we went to the moon. How do you explain this zoomed in picture of the moon where it shows the tracks from Apollo 13? And then I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I didn't know you could see that from Earth. Like, where'd you get the picture from? Guy doesn't answer. It's because it's from a satellite, a NASA satellite that they send you the pictures. Oh, Mm. here you go. Look, it's oh, there's there's a Mm. little line in the sand there that you can see. It's right where we said it would be. Oh, yeah, it's it's a line. Look, it's a line on there. Like they're like, well, it's just, you know, there's too much interference. You can't see it from Earth. Um, So, again, it's they're You're they're once again telling you to only trust. NASA um, instead yeah. of, you know, what you can observe yourself. Um, And I think, um, yeah, it's a it's a huge it's a very important psyop to to decode because. What actually is being expressed here is a difference between a material, completely material view of life and a material and spiritual view of life. Because space, you know, this is the, what, is, what do they call it? They call it the final frontier, right? The final frontier to conquer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, but space really is the space in your mind. It's the space between your temples. You know, that's the final frontier. So them getting to the moon and saying we've conquered the final frontier. Well, no, that's they've conquered your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's a very good point. This is something that I was uh, going to bring up earlier in, in terms of Stargate. In the Stargate series, which of course, like I said, was based in inside uh, Cheyenne Mountain, where the Space Force is now. Um, in the Stargate films, they walk through a physical gate. They walk through this thing. It looks like it's shimmering water and they walk through it and they physically transport somewhere else. There was a real U.S. government program called Project Stargate. But in Project Stargate, they traveled the universe, yes, uh, but they did it with their minds. They were astral projecting. It was basically an Mm. astral projecting remote viewing uh, program. And and yeah, so to go back to your point with the the space um, space deception, which again they're not necessarily lying to you, um, but it's just the inverse of what they want you to think, and it's your mm-hmm. fault for not understanding the story they're telling and the symbolism in the story, um, which you know relieves them of the karmic debt. Like they, you know, they make mm-hmm. a whole series about Stargate, but at, and they're basically they're showing you what's possible, but. They're again, you know, um, they're deceiving you um, in an underhanded mm. way. But yeah, so in the in the show, it's a physical gate. In reality, it's in your mind. So, which is almost, you know, even more fantastical than than the fiction. Um, yeah. And it's and the, yeah, the so truth that, that's is the weird core of it. Fiction, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah. the core of it. And to get actually to go back to. Um, uh, what I was thinking, I was thinking of Ozymandias, actually. Sorry, not um, okay. Uh, which is uh, is that because uh, Ozymandias is it's the Egyptian pronunciation of uh, Alexander the Great, or it's the title that in Egyptian that um, Alexander the Great gave himself. 
I see. Okay. I've, I've, yeah, I've, of course, I've heard of Ozymandias, but I'm not, I can't actually remember. I'm going to look it up. Um, so it was a poem by um, Percy Shelley, but oh, it's, it was the Greek name for Ramses II. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, well, and obviously Egypt is is like highly relevant mm -hmm. still with with what you know what we're facing in life now. Yeah. Um, so. So, anyways, that's the the main character. One of the main characters in Alan Moore's Watchmen, and this is going back to the reality of of um, of aliens is. Um, in the climax, there's basically this guy, Dr. Manhattan, who, um, who gets like fried with radiation. He becomes like, kind of like a God being he's like an actual, he's the only actual superhero in the, uh, in the Watchmen universe. And he basically, he's used by the U S government to like win Vietnam, basically by threat, very similar to how we use the actual Manhattan project, nuclear bomb threat, basically to make the u.s into the one global superpower um and uh, essentially the secondary hero who's just extremely rich extremely wealthy he was like born into wealth but then to prove his intellect he gave all of his money away and then made all the money again he's like the ultimate you know he saw himself as the ultimate um you know human being and um so he's like, he's very, you know, he's very like Batman like. Mm -hmm. Um but uh which is the core of all these Watchmen is kind of like a it's a, like a more realistic version of the League of Superhero Technocrat motif as in the DC universe and the Marvel mm -hmm. universe which they all have um they have Iron Man versus um Captain America and Thor, which is like, you know, oh I have actual superpowers, but oh I have I just use my mind and my money. That's my superpower. And that's the mm -hmm. motif in all of them. Batman versus Superman, Iron Man versus it's, Captain it's America. It's an interesting motif. If you've ever watched um American Gods, which is uh it's from the book written by Neil Gaiman. The book's fantastic as well. You should read the book. One of my favorite books when I was younger. They made a they made a uh, series on it. I think it's on Amazon Prime, or it might be on Netflix. But the premise of it is a war between um, the old gods. So one of the main characters is Odin. You don't know he's Odin until further down, into, like halfway through the first season or something. Uh, and so they have all these old gods, and they are at war, a sort of, sort of this hidden war against the new gods, the, te the technocratic gods, the gods of of uh, advancement, the gods of the town, the city, you know, like um, artificial intelligence, that kind of thing. And so it's the same motif, motif playing out um, in a very, it's a very beautiful story. I don't want to spoil it, but essentially like the, the war that they're doing, that they have was set up from the beginning anyway. I like, mm. it's not a real war. It's like a, uh, it's, it's a war. It's a pretend war for a purpose, which is kind of what we're seeing in real life. Mm -hmm. uh, which may be a good segue, actually, now to, to talk about what's going on in the Middle East. The blue and whites versus the, uh, the green and blacks. Uh, yep. 
it's like just as to say because I don't, I don't want to be un, uh, insensitive at all. Like it, I feel I try not to be emotionally attached to any of it. I'll observe it and I will keep my emotions completely withdrawn from it because I believe that that's really the currency that they're after, which is your emotional investment, mm-hmm. which they can use in some magic system to charge their situs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what's going here? What's going on in Gaza is like next level. Horrifying, because they're children. Yeah, it's it's um, just like we've been talking about. um, It's one of these things that in the conspiracy theory community we've been anticipating for so long is this reignition of tensions with the obvious goal of capturing the Dome of the Rock, the Temple Mount, and building a third temple, which of course is been a western goal since the crusades since the knights templar um uh you know they're called the knights templar because they were based at the temple mount and um and the importance of the third temple is is you know the the end game here but as far as what's what's going on you could see that kind of connection between the knights templar and and this event because the Hamas guy, which of course Hamas was propped up by um, Bibi Netanyahu, because mm-hmm. he because it creates uh, instability within Gaza and within the Palestinians. So the Palestinians can't, you know, have. If there was nobody, if there was no Hamas, they Israel, the people, the Zionists will never stop. They will not stop. At they will not stop with just letting them have Gaza. They will not stop no. with with letting them control the West Bank or whatever the, the you know Jerusalem in that area. They want all of the land, and they are going to continue to attack and kill mercilessly until they get all the land. Yeah, and they're going to yeah. control the entire. They have a <laughs> they have a chokehold on the entire international media, and. And they are going to use it to justify genocide uh, to get the land. That's all there is to it. There's, you know, the, the this last attack was so beyond obvious. There was literally, there was huge political turmoil in Israel, which a lot of Westerners don't know because they, you know, they yeah. don't know anything. They just, they just watch the news to figure out which flag. Is it BLM flag time? Is it rainbow flag mm-hmm. time? Is it... <laughs> Ukraine flag time. Oh, I luckily I got a I got an Israel flag in the mail from Amazon. I'm going to put that one up now. So, yeah. There you know there's huge that like they were basically almost to a civil war. Um immediately preceding these attacks, they were tired of Netanyahu's you know yeah. trying to maintain power, he's trying to rewrite the constitution and take yeah. over the Supreme Court and all this shit and change the Knesset, yeah. Suddenly Suddenly, oh, there's a massive attack, and now I need emergency powers. And um, oh, it was by the guys that I gave all the money to and and support. Um, and now, now that you've got the whole world fired up because white people are being killed on camera, um, which you know, not to lessen their suffering. I mean, there's it's it's absolutely horrible. I feel the same way about it as mm-hmm. I feel about the people who died in nine eleven or the people who were killed on ventilators. Yeah, uh, by COVID, um, you know, it's a horrible, horrible massacre. And what 
uh, to get back to the the magic aspect of it, these sacrifices, these the the word holocaust, um, it means a burnt offering. It's the word mm-hmm. holocaust isn't it doesn't mean genocide. It's not a it's not a a simple replacement for genocide it means a a sacrifice a burnt sacrifice so um which again is extremely important to understand exactly what type of magic and and methods are being used to take the holy land back um for the the end game of the zionists because they've run holocausts multiple times in history in order to create the political will and not only that the cultural protection in order to commit genocide um on this yeah. level in order to create an ethno state mm-hmm. not even just you know take over the land but to completely wipe out and kick out the previous people mm-hmm. which is extremely hard to do um well it'd be extremely hard for anyone else but for That's them they've already given a burnt sacrifice um I'm glad and so anyways up. that's yeah I'm glad you brought up what happened prior to this most recent event, the disturbance that was already going on within Israel. Um, I've got a very good friend who lives in Israel, and she arrived back just before it started, because uh, she was she was in the States before that. And, um, you know, it's an important distinction to make between, like, all Israelis and uh, these more sort of extremely... Um, what's the word? Like the ones who go down to to close to Gaza and they replace the yeah uh, the, the, the settlers, they they the settlers. Yeah, so they are they're a different kind of people. They're the ones who are in each in each day they they're in, sort of committed to this holy war already. But then you have the rest of Israel, and then actually like a lot of them are the same as any other country like either completely unknowing of anything or um, knowing and don't really like it, but what can you do or, uh, yeah, or actively against it. Um, and that's a, just an important distinction to make because it's a complex situation within Israel. People think that people think that everyone in Israel is on the same page, but it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the case. Yeah. A hundred percent. And of course, the distinction between Jews and Zionists is, is a whole nother one. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's Zionists who, would, you know, don't want to genocide. And then there's um, and there's ones there are. And then there's, of course, just normal Jews who could care less about a, um, you know, parcel of land and yeah. that uh, they haven't uh, lived in for yeah. thousands of years. And then there's political Zionists, but also religious Zionists. It's a very complex landscape because you've got mm-hmm. you've got the traditional sort of political Zionists who are not Hasidim or like ultra orthodox or anything. And then you've got the ultra orthodox, and then within the ultra orthodox, you have different sort of like groups where some are like, no, we can't have the state of Israel because the Mashiach hasn't returned, and others are like, uh, like just rampage lunatics who. Are, who are like everyone's a slave except us, and mm-hmm. you know, so like it's a really dense and complex scenario. Um, yeah, hundred percent, and, and, that's, and why, of course, that's why it works so well for for throwing cover and throwing shade for all of this uh, shit that's going on. Exactly, and that's you know that's again their 
their holocausts are their their shield. That's what they um the for the for the evil ones, the the Zionists, which of course um which of course uh Nazis with the uh, you know what uh, I'm just, just not going <laughs> to open that can of worms. I don't want yeah, yeah. it's too much yeah. time to explain, but but regardless, yeah. uh, you look up you the Havara, the, yeah, look up the Havara agreement. The the Nazis were, you know, they were fine with with Zionists and and the original settlers of the modern mm-hmm. um, of the modern Zionist state were Germans. Um, so, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, so the whole the the conflict, I guess, to to kind of get to the end game scenario, what it, or at least what I'm anticipating yeah. is, you know, it started with Trump moving the. Um, the embassy to Jerusalem, which uh, which they immediately started, you know, uh, Israelis started to they minted. I don't I don't think it was the government, but it was uh, a group within Israel. They they minted this coin, this commemorative coin, um, which I think they might have even called it the Temple Coin. But um, it has Trump's face next to King Cyrus, which King Cyrus was the Assyrian king who liberated the Jews from the Babylonian Empire returned them to Jerusalem and allowed them to, and encouraged them to build the second temple, King Herod's temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and while not being a Jew, he was still, you know, seen as a somewhat of a messianic figure because he saved the people and he brought them back to their homeland. So um, comparing Trump to, I think that's an accurate comparison, um, comparing Trump to Cyrus. Um, and, you know, that kind of put the, the wheels in motion and that's what has been you know that's why the conspiracy theorist sphere has been anticipating you know a big move um from jerusalem and it was just a matter of time yeah um and now we now we see it uh, it's still it, you know when when the news calls it this recent attack when they call it um Israel's 9/11 there it's that's an extremely accurate take because it is being used mm-hmm. in the same way and what's mm-hmm. interesting about the date uh 9/11 it's of course the 11th day of our ninth month September in the Hebrew calendar they have a a day of solemn commemoration on the 9th of Av the 9th day of their 11th month and it's when they commemorate the falling of the two temples Herod's temple was destroyed during the Jewish revolt, the Roman Jewish civil war, essentially um, in 70 AD, the Romans destroyed the second temple and they destroyed it on the ninth of Av. Hmm. So on the day that they commemorate the falling of the two temples, we commemorate the falling of the two towers. There is another thing is, is Heimlich Hindler started the final solution, AKA the Holocaust. He started it on the ninth of Av. So, and also, um, in terms of, of sacrifices, Holocaust, you also have Jeffrey Epstein was killed on, of course, in the the calendars, of course, are different. So the the in our calendar, the date of the ninth of Av changes every year. It just so happened that the, the night that Epstein was killed happened to be the ninth of Av. So these... It's one of the most stark um, and least talked about things, which is I think I, I might even be one of the only people talking about it, um, is 
is this connection between 9th, 9-11 and 9th of Ave. And, and what did we do after the two towers were destroyed? We erected a third tower, the tallest tower in the world, the One World Trade Center. So it's the same. It's an inversion of what their, you know, their ultimate goal is to build the third temple. And that will bring about a One World government and religion, which is, of course, what... Um, you know what it's it's very similar to even what just the mainstream um evangelicals and uh of course the zionist jews what they um what their end game is is build the third temple brings about the messianic age and you you know you have some type of um a utopia it depends yeah. you know utopia and is different for everyone uh, yeah i mean the, you know the idea of the Georgia Guidestones talking about uh, one of the tenets, which is like living in permanent peace, um, perpetual peace, right? Uh, I think perpetual peace under their rulership is worse to me than um, conflict and freedom, you know, and it, because it's, it's the choice between security and freedom. And if you, if you choose security, you deserve night, you deserve night, as um, I think Jefferson said. Yeah, and yeah. so in a in a like shorter term viewpoint, do you think that uh, it's going to escalate into Syria and Iran and Lebanon and bring in like and turn the whole thing into sort of a tinderbox? So this is this is again this is one other thing that I've been I wrote a, a tweet in 2019 about. Um, about trends I anticipated happening. And this is, again, another, you know, in terms of this conflict, this is, again, something that, um, you know, we've been talking about for a long time, which is um, the possibility of an Iran-Israel conflict going nuclear, because they're the two nuclear-armed powers um, involved in this struggle. Um and now this connects to the alien um, theme, because basically okay. both in and actually this ties back to, to Watchmen as well. So in Watchmen and I, by the way, I, I looked up the, the what I was thinking of, the, the character Ozymandias, he he um, he renames himself. Uh, well, his name is his middle name is Alexander after Alexander the Great. And he like bases himself off Alexander the Great. But he does name himself Ozymandias because it's the Greek name for uh, Ramses, too. Um, so, um, anyways, this character, I think, I think we, I think we did get to finish, uh, the, uh, talking about this character during then. So this is perfect. Um, Ozymandias, he, in order to prevent, you know, mind you, Watchmen is set in, I believe the eighties. So it's, you know, during the cold war. So in order to prevent nuclear war, Ozymandias has a, um, he creates a biological, psychic biological entity. It's like a big octopus thing and releases it in New York and says, oh, it's an alien. Oh, shit. And it, it kills like a million or so people. Um, but the alien, it's a fake alien invasion, um, which, of course, is, you know, what what has been talked about in the conspiracy spheres forever, um, which, again, I, I don't think is going to to happen. I don't think there's going to be a I think when the aliens show up, it's more likely 
uh, it is for the same purpose, mind you, like in the reason Ozymandias does the uh, fake alien invasion is to prevent nuclear war. I think that's 100% likely. I just don't think the aliens are going to be the ones killing people. I think they're going to be the ones stopping the nuclear war, and it's the mm-hmm. humans that are um, going to be killing everybody. Um, so there is the, – the one thing that worries me, though, is that to have something so massive, um, like in order to get away with the COVID authoritarianism, they destroyed the economy and they they slaughtered so many people, you know – <laughs> wasn't as many as they, you know, as they'd like us to think. And of course it wasn't, you know, from the virus. A lot of the time it Mm. was, um, it was the, all the deaths coming from suicide, from, um, putting people on ventilators, which is just straight murder, which they were being compensated, uh, for doing the more deaths you get, you get a bonus. And, um, and and yeah, and then the treatment with remdesivir, another mm-hmm. Fauci patented NIH drug, which was never proven to be effective whatsoever, and they just kept using it, um, which was shutting down people's organs. Then, oh, shit, your organ shut down. Well, you can't breathe. All right. Well, here's a ventilator. And so anyways, um, they they have to, in order to get people to go along with authoritarianism, you do you need a sacrifice. So what scares me about this coming, you know, the alien invasion thing is, and especially in relation to both Ukraine, which is, again, a U.S. versus Russia, you know, nuclear armed party. So we already have this, um, you know, our level of nuclear tension now is is higher than it was during the Cold War. So, and, and again, people don't care anymore because the propaganda is, um, you know, going in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's effective. Um, but, uh, essentially, yeah, we have, you know, the highest nuclear tensions and uh, throwing Iran back into the mix with Israel is, um, is, and of course, Israel has this thing they, they call the Samson option, which mm-hmm. is if Israel ever starts losing, they just blow everybody up from their submarines. Um, which is, you know, that could be, that could be what happens if, if nothing yep. else. But um, but yeah, and it's there's... unknown. It's unknown how many nuclear warheads they've got. They don't let anyone. Oh really? I I didn't know about that part. Mm-hmm. I, I just knew they were armed. So that's um, yeah, that's uh, concerning as well. But yeah, so that's that's there's some type of they're gonna because nuclear deterrent is what ended the Second World War. So the Third World War is you know. In some ways, we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going and then they have aliens. And that's, you know, um, that's how they end the Third World War is they pull out another. Mm-hmm. They pull out another trick out of their hat that throws everybody else off their um, off the balance of power. And to go back to these, you know, the ancient advanced civilizations, which um which, uh, you know, the Nazis, of course, looked up to the Aryans um, and which, you know, they may have been in communication with, you know, whether as an entity or, you know, maybe they went to Tibet and, you know, were investigating entrance to Agartha and all this, you know, inner earth stuff, which, of mm-hmm. course, is the idea of advanced civilization underground um, that the Tibetans um, 
you know, follow. And I believe they even say that the Dalai Lama's like goal is like his mission is to protect the entrance. Yeah. So, but, I, yeah. Um, so, just, so anyways, I just want to create a little, um, a point here about the inner earth is because a good question comes up, well, how can people survive without light? And, uh, it's worth knowing that it's not the theory isn't as if there is just one giant cavern within Earth. It's more like a honeycomb, if you could see it uh, from a cross section. Uh, and there are caves around the world. There's one in Vietnam, which is, which has its own bioluminescence. It has its own uh, microcosmic atmosphere, and because it's so large, um, so it's the idea that yeah, these advanced races they have a source of light which which gives them nourishment and their bodies can survive and in fact their bodies probably have changed and manipulated somewhat according to living in this environment yeah they could look up they could look like shriveled little uh um aliens quote unquote um or they could be tall luminescent blue kind of beings like uh, you know, like sheep. avatar yeah or like shiva described as blue and you've got blue blooded sangre azul it's like this idea of of being blue blooded that's with from, the, um, the royal blood yeah 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 exactly um yeah that could uh yeah i could uh i could see that being a possibility what's uh, just a note on avatar i always talk about how marvel is the you know strongest source of predictive programming for all intents and purposes it's um it is america's mythology uh, we were talking about Alexander the Great earlier, and um, you know he, uh, in order to you know form his um, you know legendary reputation, just like Ozymandias in the in the fictional story, you know naming himself after um, a pharaoh. Uh, who did uh, Alexander the Great said he was like? Um, I forget which uh, mythical figure he compared himself to but regardless when he came into egypt he was welcomed as a god and they basically they immediately said okay you're you're uh amin ra you're basically mm -hmm. um you are ra um when he showed up um and in the same way um you know we have similar things going on with our american mythology people subconsciously and consciously compare trump to superman and captain america and mm -hmm. Trump released his own superhero NFTs collection a, yes. a while ago as well to really drive the point home. And of course, Elon Musk being Iron Man is just like beyond obvious at this point. He was in Iron Man 2. Robert Downey Jr., of course, said he based the character, based the way he was acting uh, off of Elon Musk in real life. Um, but... Uh, so where do you see yeah. transhum transhumanism fitting into... The rebuilding of the Third Temple, the prevention of nuclear war, um, and this sort of you know new world order, new world religion, um, unifying alien mm -hmm. scenario. So, just the last point, uh, I went on. I was rambling there, but anyways, Avatar, what you're talking about, um, you know, with with big blue aliens, that is the only film that grossed more than Avengers Endgame. So. Mm -hmm. That is also the most powerful, you know, watch piece of media um, in the mm -hmm. modern area. So it, it plays a lot of those themes, of course, play into um, the predictive programming to get to your a point about transhumanism. 
Um, so, so as far as what I can figure out about the, you know, the timeline here and, and as far as what's indicated in the predictive programming is that once we have all this extremely advanced technology and, and, you know, we're, we're getting so close, we almost, we don't even really need, uh, some, we don't even really need alien intervention at this point. I mean, we have a few things with, um, with health, of course, it would be nice to have, you know, public life extension. But if they were to release technology for public life extension, then, you know, we'd, you can't have both, you know, infinite spawning and, you know, infinite lifespan. So hmm. one of those, I think that's part of their depopulation agenda. Um, but how I see it playing out is we have... We have this one last hurrah. We have, you know, I mean, the, the slaughter in Ukraine of the Ukrainian people has been insane. You know, we mm-hmm. just funded the slaughter there to lat to the last Ukrainian is basically the the battle cry. Um, and we'll send as much money as you as we can to fund the three left three women and children left that can fight in Ukraine. Um, and then, of course. You know, the Israel, they did their little Hamas slaughter, and now they're actually, you know, completely slaughtering Gaza. Um, So there's, you know, there's those type of, you know, trauma sacrifices that'll go on. I don't know what they're going to do. Like, they have, there has to be some really, really traumatizing event, probably in America, you know, all the predictive programming, unfortunately, again, points to New York and both Independence Day, um, where they blow up the uh, the Empire State Building. And in Watchmen, they have the alien come and, like, psychically destroy or kill two million people. Um, in the movie, the ironically, the, mu- the movie version of Watchmen is slightly different. They have... Um, in the movie, they I guess they decided that the alien thing wouldn't play over well, so instead they have him drop. Basically, they have him just nuke a bunch of the the major cities, um, and blame it on Doctor Manhattan. Uh, which mm-hmm. Doctor Manhattan, as far as predictive programming, he's uh, let's see if you can pick out which character he represents. He goes to Mars um, for solace. He's the you know he's the first being to Mars. And he also single-handedly introduces electric cars to the entire, uh, into planet Earth. Um, wow, okay. So only thinly, ve- thinly veiled, then. Mm-hmm. Elon so, Musk. Classic. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I really hope they don't do, you know, something, something with nukes. I hope they just bring in the aliens and stop it, but as far as the unrest aspect, and I guess I could answer, I could possibly answer my own question here is, and this goes back to your earlier, one of your earlier points about the immigration is with the type of unfettered, uncontrolled um, immigration that we've seen both in Europe and the United States, this, the core of what makes Western civilization, Western civilization, you know, the people, the culture, and mostly the stability and the social services and and the the rule of law all goes out the window when you import six million people without vetting them. And I mm-hmm. think it's five million in the U.S. since Biden took over. 
Um, and what I see that all going to is um, kind of this purge endgame, uh, which which uh, Jared Kushner, same guy who's you know big time Zionist, that's basically running mm-hmm. the Trump White House for all intents and purposes. He hired uh, a PI, PR guy from the Purge movies onto the White House staff. And he, uh, I mean, the Purge movies were, you know, we again saw exactly what they were leading up to in 2020, which was in the Purge movies, there's no, for limited amount of time, there's no consequences for any laws you want to break. All you got to do is put on a mask and go out and commit your crimes. And what did we see in 2020? Suddenly you could loot and kill, uh, but just for tonight, because of old George Floyd and whoever else we want to toss in this week, um, you go ahead and loot. There's no, you know, there's no consequences. And even now they're paying back like uh, Antifa groups for BLM protesters for the the cops even touching them whenever they did. Um you know, we, we saw the exact programming play out the the way that and actually right now, what's really interesting is the first purge movie. It's called The First Purge. Um, it takes place in Staten Island, New York. And Staten Island, New York is one of the top like battlegrounds that's going on right now with immigration, where the people are actually fighting back and saying, listen, we don't want you to bring they're trying to physically stop the buses of immigrants from coming in mm-hmm. like we don't we don't want you to flood our city with immigrants and they're being arrested. The police are arresting the people that are trying to prevent, you know, their place from being invaded. Um, and anyway, so that's the first purge movie, which we're kind of seeing play in. And then the final purge movie is called the purge forever. It takes place in Texas. And one of the main themes is the immigrants revolt against the white settler farmer ranchers. Um, and then basically, instead of the purge just going for one night, it just doesn't stop. So it's just constant. Mm. So just like right now, where we, yeah, um, you know, during the protest, there's no rule of law. You can get away with whatever you want, but don't mm-hmm. try it every day. Come on now. It's not an everyday thing. <laughs> and we're starting to see in Chicago, for instance, um, they have these things, teen takeovers, where, oh, come on, teens, let's go out and rob a gas station. And uh, let's uh, let's go drag race and do donuts in the middle of the street and smash uh, smash anyone's car who tries to drive through. Um, you're seeing that in Chicago specifically um, in an insane amount of times. And, and they're they're another place that's getting overrun with immigrants to the point of, you know, um, uh, violence in some Lapse. cases. Yeah. So. So mm. in the same way, we're we're seeing those trends of, oh, yeah, it was just, well, you just get your anger out and do your looting for just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little. And in terms of retail theft, we're now seeing in Chicago and L.A. and San Francisco, of course, what a shithole. Um, they're actually CVS and, and Walgreens and Target and Walmart. They're just taking taking their shit and going. Nike, they're mm-hmm. just like, all right, we're shutting down. Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, what are you, are you racist? You're racist. And it's, you know, obviously it's, it's just, uh, because they can't make a profit when they're being robbed, um, every day. So, so yeah, we're seeing with whole foods, we're seeing but, that. uh, whole foods aren't the only racist store now. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Uh, yep. Exactly. So, so anyways, <laughs> that to just to finish my point, that's the type mm-hmm. of 
that is a, a possibility that I see as far as, you know, I answer my own question, what traumatic event would create the necessity um, and the thirst for law and order and peace would be this, you know, and it could very well be, you know, spurred on by this. Um, just what you were talking about with it, with Israel and uh, versus Palestine, you have this Muslim divide. And it also is now cutting across like diagonally where it's becoming like a very it's I guess it's always been in mainstream American Republicans have always been super pro Israel um, basically because they, mm. you know, they hate Arabs. But um, there's there's a cross section now where you have you have BLM is extremely against and like, you know, supporting Hamas mass murder. And so you have the left um, and the right are kind of like the anti-establishment right and left are kind of, you know, it's cutting across lines to where it's just chaos mm -hmm. and, and the immigrants, of course, are playing into this. Um, but imagine, you know, we had the BLM riots. Now imagine BLM riots plus five million brand new, desperate, already overloading any type of support system we had before. Absolutely. And with a weakened police department. Uh, and that's, you know, the big problem with everywhere is, is even, you know, they didn't get to do their little defund the police in many places, but it doesn't matter because the liberal places, the police were so demoralized and cucked that they, you know, why would you ever join a police station over there? And the people who were there, why would you stay? Um, so they've just, you know, those places will be falling into complete shitholes. As far as Miami, I don't know. I think, uh, well, we're definitely the, um, we're pretty much the biggest political um, success for um, the right wing in, yeah. you know, the midterms are a complete disappointment, except for specifically at Florida, but specifically Miami-Dade County went red for the first time in, I don't know how long. Um, and it was extremely drastic. Like Miami-Dade went for the, um, went for Hillary by like some outrageous, you know, 20 some percent. Um, and that now you have DeSantis dominating, but, um, so yeah, I mean, that being said, uh, you know, Miami could, could very well, since it's a major city could very well fall into the same type of, um, chaos. Uh, but, but yeah, it's. I think those type of events is going to be what creates the the necessity of, you know, we need law and order and stuff like that. Um, you know, hopefully don't mm -hmm. drop a nuke. But but yeah, that's that's the end of that idea. Well, it's it's people. It's very important that people are aware of how things sort of structure out and how they can look like they might play out. Um, to change sort of tack before we finish up, so. You know, we've, what we've spoken about for us is, you know, we've come to terms with it and uh, it's not necessarily a, 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 like an, doesn't cause a huge amount of anxiety. But what in your sort of personal life, or what do you do? Would you, um, how would you advise people to deal with this sort of information um, and push further and like blossom? Because it, just because things are going to go in a certain way doesn't mean people's personal experiences are going to be, um, you know, destruction. Because there's it, this different mm -hmm. thing going on. There's a collective and then there's the, the individual. And mm -hmm. uh, both have the, this equal potential to create reality. 
Um, so for, for example, I would, I would say like, while, while this new system comes into place or while they destroy themselves, uh, our purpose would be to set up some parallel kind of system subtly as, as it goes. But what, what would you say? So, yeah, I mean, it's important, uh, just learning about, uh, you know, learning this about this time type of stuff is, um, like you said, it could be, you know, people could take it very negatively and it could negatively affect your life. Um, important thing to remember is, you know, every, every era has its, has its challenges. You know, you're, there's yin and yang. You're never going to get a utopia. Um, and even in, even though we're headed towards somebody's version of a utopia right now, um, which utopia, great show on Amazon, uh, highly recommend watching it. It's, you know, again, predictive programming, you can see exactly what they're doing, um, which involves a vaccine that sterilizes uh, the next generation. Um, but, uh, but anyways, you know, there's yin and yang, you know, we had, you know, in, in the case of the U S, um, my dad was born just maybe 10 years. His, his older siblings were born just a few years um, too late to get drafted into Vietnam, which was, of course, the last draft. And think of, compare that situation to what we have now. And it's, you know, you can figure out, out a way to, to make money during the coronavirus if you, you know, lose your job. And that's that's a great example is, you know, a lot of people use coronavirus, the pandemic and the changing economic situation to benefit themselves. They made more money. They had more abundance because of it. You know, it doesn't take away from how awful the whole operation was, of course, but, you know, it doesn't have to be bad for you. Um, and there's always ways mm -hmm. to take advantage of changing situation. They can't, you know, they can't hurt you unless you consent. So as long as you're informed, um, then you can make informed decisions and, and benefit in the best way possible. So in terms of what's going on, I'd say um, you're definitely going to want to move out of New York and L.A., San Francisco, Chicago. Get the hell out of those places as soon as possible. I can't believe you already haven't left if you can. Um, and I mean, that's that's the core of it, because like I said, mm -hmm. We have these BLM things, they happen, you know, it, it, you can look on the Google search results that the, the term BLM just goes up every four years when it's time for an election because mm. it's a political tool. And so, of course, they're going to, to run it up again during, um, during 2024. Um, so that's the first thing that'll bring you a lot of peace just to not be around that. Um, and, you know, like we, like you were saying, the, the building parallel communities, you know, just, um, you know, if you're if you're awake to this information, um, you know, people, I, oh, God bless people who, you know, want to stick around and fight for where they were, where they grew up or whatever. But it's just not realistic overall. There's, you know, humans are, you know, we've for generations, we've had to migrate because of changing conditions you know, that's the whole reason my family is in america is because there was you know problems in poland and poverty in malta and you know uh there's always there's always going to be an issue somewhere so you you know you could stick around um and fight it out and you know be injured by it but you could also it takes in some ways and that is very you know i don't i'm not talking bad about anybody who sticks around for love of country and nationality but um, at some point, there's also a, 
a level of braveness to going to a new area and, and picking up and um, and moving somewhere else that you know is going to be advantageous to you and and for future mm-hmm. generations of your family. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's I- one thing. Another thing is, um, you know, like we were saying, you know, move to to people, make you know, connect with people, uh, like minded people, and then I would also say getting um, some gold and Bitcoin not a bad idea um overall and and yeah i think those are some basics yeah that's really good and i think a kind of in terms of the existential crisis that people are having regarding all of this like you know having to consider the fact that your society is is going down a shitter and there's little that you can do because it's out of your hands um like you said Throughout history, we've had to migrate or we've had to adapt. We've had to uh, reconsider our circumstances and still thrive despite, despite that. Um, and so there, you know, the change is going to be quite momentous. I mean, I've been feeling it literally in my, like, the sutures of my bones for, I don't know, five or six years now, longer. Um, and... Uh, I think people are going to rise to the occasion. I think there's going to be quite a flourishing at the same time as all this destruction. Um, because, it, 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 you know, ironically, it focuses people on what's really important and they bring out of them certain skills that they didn't even know they really had. Uh, and so, you know, for, for every negative collective situation, it's not necessarily going to be that way for you. If you, like, have the wherewithal and the belief, you know, belief being a huge part of all of predictive programming, all of how reality actually functions um, and how it creates. And so people will be able to take control of, them, of their own minds, their own bodies. And, um, and yeah, I, I believe there's going to be a flourishing despite everything that's going to happen. Yeah, I think um, I think that's that's another good point you bring up is is just the internal, the existential crisis that you know is um, you know goes beyond physical reality because, of course, even the best physical reality you can still screw it up, and people do. The most privileged people in the world, with with everything handed to them, still hate their lives and and find a way to to fuck it up. So, you know, of course, the inverse has to be true. Um, but I think one other thing, and, and I always state this as, as something that helped me, um, you know, at the beginning of my, you know, quote unquote, awakening journey, just, you know, researching, becoming more informed about how the world works. Um, what kept me based is <laughs> literally based is, um, mm-hmm. is I started with health and fitness. One of the things that first woke me up to how fucked up the, you know, mainstream media and, and the core of, you know, the the most respected of our scientific establishments medical health nutrition um was was weightlifting bodybuilding and finding out that wow all these supplements they try to sell me and all these nutritional motifs that they've tried the food pyramid it's all bullshit um and that that helped me wake up a little bit and then the moving into um, type of meditation, breathing, and kind of learning how to focus your mind um, in that way and learning the reality of, of thoughts, kind of disconnecting from ego, of course, which has its own pitfalls. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people mm. 
who gets stuck in a in an egoless phase, which doesn't which helps nobody for you to be you know a, a yogi on the top of the mountain. Um, and uh, yeah, so but learning how that uh, I'd re- recommend reading Becoming Supernatural um, and yeah. the Bible. <laughs> and uh and then yeah. um and once you learn about the becoming supernatural stuff i'd recommend you um you know keep your vessel in the most highly operational state you can but as mm-hmm. far as um as far as using that type of power in crowley like sex magic and whatever which is along the same concepts of what you'll learn about in becoming supernatural instead of that um you know just stay clean and and as pure as you can and um which is you know it just goes along with keeping your body in top operational shape mm-hmm. and then just um just have faith trust in god and um and act act based off that and um yeah which also lets you it helps you let go of the fear and anxiety which yeah. even if you you know a lot of people in the spiritual like you know, sphere, they'll try and plan everything out and use numerology and astrology, which again, I'd also recommend you learn about because there are some beneficial aspects to it, but trying to use, trying to plan every single thing neurotically in your life because you're trying to avoid enemy signs or, um, you know, bad energy or whatever, um, being neurotic about it, um, instead of just trusting that you're, you're going to be on the right path, um, because you're guided divinely is, um is better than and even it's better than meditating and trying to manifest a very specific mm-hmm. version of your life um you should just trust that you don't even know what you know what you want which is of course you know if you think about it long enough you'll realize that that at various times in your life you got something or something happened that you didn't want to happen at that time and then it turned out to be even better than you could possibly imagine so yeah, that's something to remember. And it's like everything there's um, like every tool, like I was talking about numerology, astrology, becoming supernatural type meditation. And um, and even the Bible, of course, can be used for evil as well, which we're kind of seeing yeah. play out right now. Um, mm. You uh, it, it takes discernment. So you um, yeah, you got to you got to stay based during all those things. But um, I think the biggest in terms of, you know, what I've found is um is you can't worship gnosis knowing all these things won't bring you salvation it won't bring you happiness um but faith quite possibly will if you put faith Mm -hmm. in something stronger and more powerful than yourself then you don't have to worry about your own folly and you can um you can have some you can have some peace and you can operate in your your best possible state yeah that's beautiful you know in, in in some way we're just passing through and um and if you can kind of you can kind of remember that there's these two things you know incredibly serious world that's going on but also one large cosmic joke at the same time and you can maintain the balance between that and you know however the cards fall in front of you you just play what you've got um, Amen. amazing man thanks thanks so much for coming on i'd love to do this again in a few months when there's uh some updates <laughs> When there's uh, a new current thing, when when there's a new flag to fly, we'll uh we'll chat and review uh the last one. I wonder if they'll have an alien flag. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll what probably be like? 
probably be like a, a spruced up United Nations flag. I would imagine mm. there's going to be some type of movement to, we need to unite to communicate with them or they won't give us zero point <laughs> energy. But, but we'll see how that plays out. They won't give us our dick pills. <laughs> um, yeah, anything's better than the trans flag. And let's not even <laughs> talk about trans people. I just can't stand the color coordination on that flag. It's it disgusting. Is. Why yeah, they add like, the brown shit stain on there is just... <laughs> Yeah, just not a good Grim. aesthetic choice. Adrian, thanks so much for coming on, man. This has been a pleasure. Um, next time, also, we, you know, we can delve more into becoming supernatural as well, and uh, and how to how to sort of navigate going through all these things. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome, it's been a pleasure, man. Okay, bro. You take care. Yeah, bye, bye.